Welcome to Woke Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Stanford. As a physicist and structural engineer in training with Jacobs Engineering, I had made many connections with some bright individuals by either working, studying, or self-taught and passionate about our particular topics of discussion. This episode of Woke Talk Podcast features our very first co-host, David Beam. You may recognize David from our first episode, Zoom University, but if you don't, David is a petroleum and natural gas engineer that graduated from Slippery Rock University in 2020. David is also Woke Talk Podcast co-producer and social media coordinator, aka the Swiss Army Knife. Thanks for being here, Dave. Thanks for having me, Sam. Looking forward to a good episode. Awesome. So today's topic focuses on small business. We plan to treat this as more of an interview because although David and I have fathers that own their own businesses, we thought it would be more relevant to provide first-hand accounts and educated expertise. So the educated expertise will challenge the importance of, of small business, while the first-hand accounts will feature two small business owners that can tell you their motives for starting up, challenges they face along the way, and the benefits to owning a business. It is important to stay tuned for the last segment where the guest stars will give an important piece of advice for starting your own gig. First, I thought it would be a good idea to set the mood by explaining why small businesses are so important to our society and most importantly, to our economy. In my academic career, I took micro and macroeconomics along with engineering economics, but I thought it would be best to bring in someone who could elaborate much more than I on the importance of small business. So last week, I sat down with Dan Harper. He's a graduate from Slippery Rock University with a bachelor's in business administration, focusing on marketing and information systems. Dan currently works with Highmark and a Pittsburgh real estate startup called Icos. On top of all of that, he is currently applying for an MBA program where he can expand his knowledge and subsequently his own company, Harper Way LLC. Through his education and connections, Dan plans to one day start up his own tech company. So Dan, let's start off by defining what a small business is. To me, this is my definition. A small business has less than 250 employees. However, the majority of businesses are less than 10 employees. Many of these small businesses are usually owned by family members or acquaintances that are like family. There is a high level of trust within these small businesses between each stakeholder. In a small business, the business owns the business owner. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times in small businesses, the owner of the business is too busy operating the business, whether that be making the product of that business. So if it's a lawn care business, a lot of times these small business owners, they get too caught up in the idea of creating the product rather than teaching employees the process of creating that product. So we want to think about McDonald's as an example of a small business. There is the cashier, there is the person who makes the fries, the person who fills the drinks, and the person who flips the burgers, along with a manager. So each person has a set responsibility that they perform for maximized efficiency. This difference is very important from going from a small business to a large business 
because you're just you're handing the blueprint to the employees of this is the set job and skill. Oh, okay. There is a major difference between a large business and a small business. So with that in mind, you kind of have to think about the process and also how many employees they have and who specifically owns it and what the employees are to that owner. So, okay, Dan, if if I wanted to hypothetically create a small business, what does it take to start up logistically or financially? To have a startup for a business, the most important factor is time. That time is going to have to come from somewhere in your life. And that means sacrifices. So if you're spending a lot of time playing video games or watching television or mindlessly scrolling on social media, those hours have to be allotted to the business. So a lot of the bad habits, you're going to have to chop those. You can't have the bad habits. You have to improve your habits to focus on the business because that's the only way the business can grow. Besides allotting hours to learning your specific skills for your business, you're going to have to select a market niche. That market niche, it's either going to be, for example, healthcare, real estate, construction, education, or energy. You have to pick that market niche and you have to become an expert in that field. You're also going to have to create a product or service that has a competitive edge. This competitive edge is going to allow you to take market share from potential competitors in the market. If your product does not have a competitive edge, customers are not going to leave the trusted and entrenched competitors that have been around for decades. And to continue with that idea, you're also going to want to learn as much information from your clients as possible because you have to find out where are they not satisfied with the competitor's product and how can you improve upon that? And once you have a system or a product in place, you want to gather as much information from your customers as possible. So that way you can increase their satisfaction. But the most important thing, once you have this information, you want to eliminate the hiccups of the business. So every time a customer has a negative interaction with your product or service, that's weighed as three times more than when they have a positive experience with your brand. So you want to fix the problems with the product or service. And then once those are addressed, focus on improving the customer's experience. Yeah, it doesn't really affect a large business. Say if I was upset with Walmart, it's not like Walmart's going to do something. But Joe Schmo down the street, if I went in there and his food was rotten, and I leave a lovely review on Yelp, it's an exponentiated effect compared to what I would do if I went on Yelp about Walmart. The visitor complex is so saturated in a big business compared to a small business. So that little hiccup really counts. So with that being said, what importance do small businesses have on the U.S. economy? So as we had mentioned prior Large companies, they focus on giving their employees specific functions within the business that they only do a set thing in a job, and that's all they do. So when there's complex problems in which large companies cannot find a good way to automate the process, that's where small businesses can step in to solve those complex problems that cannot be systematized. So we want to think about 
like artists, it's very difficult for a large company to create many original pieces of artwork, whereas an individual artist, they can make complex, very different and unique things that people value. So we also want to think about like for small businesses, there are people who are like psychologists and therapists. A lot of times they own their own businesses, like their small business and along with like life coaches. These are all people who are helping others with complex problems that cannot be systematized. And we want to think about like the craftsmen. So if you have something at your house that needs to be repaired, there's a handyman who is very accustomed to facing many different complex problems that are each different. And however, small businesses, yes, they do solve complex problems. However, if you have a small business and you want to become a large business, then the owner needs to decide that. And if they do decide that they want to become a large business, they have to change their identity from being the person who is driving the business. So say you own a bakery and you're the bakery owner. If you're spending all day baking the pies, the business owns you. But if you instead take a step back from the bakery and you teach someone to be a cashier, you teach someone to bake the pies, you teach someone to keep the store cleaned, you teach someone to be a delivery driver, now you can expand to a large business because you can sell this blueprint And that's the franchising model. The franchising model is building a blueprint and they hand it to potential business owners and then they put the blueprint together. And that's what separates small businesses from large businesses. The business owner decided to step back away from the business and to create designated roles. So now they're more of a like a manager at that level. I think that's super important because, like you said, if not, you just get drowned by the work. You have to set it up, get the blueprint rolling, and then become the manager of your establishment. And one thing I think that's really undermined about the United States is that we're home to a huge footprint in small businesses. The United States has 28 million small businesses and 57 million employees, equating to 85 million people affected by the performance of this economic sector. So currently, there are 332 million people. And if you factor a almost 6% unemployment rate, there is a small business sector that makes up 27% of the workforce. And that's interesting. And I like what you said about the difference in products from what you get from a large business to a small business. And it's funny that the small business sector accounts for 54% of sales in a fiscal year. So yeah, you can go to the store, to Walmart, and grab a a loaf of bread, but they're not going to have a laser-engraved phone case. You're not going to buy it there. You're going to buy it from a small business. You're going to find these really cool and interesting things that account to what you love. And another thing is that between 1993 and 2013, the small business sector accounted for two-thirds of the new jobs created, which was roughly 11 million jobs. So in essence, small business holds a major footprint. But with such an impact, 
what does the future hold for small businesses, Dan? So the future of small businesses, the landscape is about to change in a big way, most definitely. As we look back in history, many different inventions have entirely changed business in America. And so we used to have a lot of people who would drive the carriages, the horse carriages. And now if, if you were to try to get a job as a horse carriage driver, it's going to be a very difficult job to find. And surely the times will change. So the future of small businesses. So automation is about to be happening where we are seeing companies trying to slowly adjust to replacing low-skilled employees with automated systems that can save them on their overhead. So the people who are going to be most affected by automation, it's, it's actually very unfortunate to say, but it is the low-skilled, uneducated worker. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen especially overseas where if, we, if there was a call center overseas somewhere, guess what? That place may not be functioning anymore with automated systems that can produce those same results. So for small businesses, what are, what are we going to see small businesses do here in America as we are seeing the America happen? So small businesses, they need to focus especially into their interpersonal relationships because how do you get a customer to return to your, your bakery? You have to maintain that relationship. Along with, I think that small businesses need to focus on their relationship to nature. They need to think about their environmental impact. They need to not use plastic products. They need to focus on improving the environment of their community. And also small businesses, I think they're going to have to lean into a lot of like mental health is important. Like here in America, the quality of mental health is it's not too good because everyone's so focused on working all the time. And I truly think that all the therapists and psychologists, along with like art therapy, and these are important responsibilities that we need more people to take professional roles in like focusing on the mental health of America. Because small businesses, they can focus on mental health and the challenges that large businesses cannot focus upon. Because corporate America does not care about your mental health. Corporate America does not care for the environment. Corporate America does not care for the creation of art. However, small businesses can compete against the cold machines that are corporate America. Well said. Whenever we get attracted to a small business that does something a little different, it takes us away from the concrete jungle that we're so used to. We're in touch with our environment. We're away from the plastics that corporate America makes. To put it in the most simplest form, it hits different. You feel like you're helping out your community, your fellow self, your neighbor, whenever you go to a small business. It just makes more of an impact. And also on the governmental side, taxes and healthcare and finance and labor greatly affect small businesses. And while big businesses, they can comply and just jump into their great reserves of capital and assets to stay afloat. So I think if we have a government that effectively recognizes these implications against small businesses, they'll be able to continue their quest to strategize and be unique 
in a competitive market and satisfy our basic human needs, getting back to our roots and just helping out our fellow neighbors. Thanks, Dan. We have to stop there, but when we come back from the break, David and I will interview two small business owners to give you a firsthand account of what it is like to own a business. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the first segment of Woke Talk Podcast. I am your host, Sam Stanford. In studio, I have my co-host, David Beam. David and I are going to interview two small business owners who have jumped the hurdles and climbed a ladder, so to speak, to be as successful as they are today. Now I would like to introduce our guest stars, starting with, first, Mark Sotomayor. Mark is the owner of Tree Cup Tea, and if you have heard our previous episodes, he has a pretty beautiful mission to combat deforestation by planting a tree for every tea he sells. Currently, he is partnered with Haiti Friends, a nonprofit organization that works on reforesting the island of Haiti because of agricultural malpractice. My second guest is Zach Edwards, the owner of Elite Graphics. Zach and I have known each other for some time and actually grew up in neighboring schools where we competed against each other in multiple sports. Elite Graphics focuses on providing screen printing, embroidery, decals, and much more while supplying their own clothing line. Zach has expressed to me multiple times that he wants to make Elite Graphics operations as green and sustainable as possible. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, pleasure being here, Sam. Happy to be here. Hey, Zach. How are you? Good. How about you? Doing great, man. How long have you been doing uh, Elite Graphics for? I started it in 2017 and uh, just kind of went from there. I was working, you know, using it as like a side business. But then this past year, being a COVID, kind of pushed this side business to be a full-time deal. And now I'm here doing it full-time and kind of figuring it out a little bit more day by day and stuff. Good, good. Now, is it just yourself or do you have any other employees or someone that helps you? Yeah, it's just me mainly right now. You know, some family members or the girlfriend or something sometimes help me do things if I need another hand or something like that. But mainly I can manage it myself. Some weeks are harder than others and stuff. Trying to get the uh, computer work done and also getting all the printing and uh, ordering and just the whole nine yards and stuff done. It can be hectic sometimes. But yeah, I manage it pretty well. Nice. Yeah, being in 2017, you're still pretty much in the early stages. I'm assuming that's a lot of time and effort that you have to put in in the early stages. I feel like that's probably one of the hardest parts of starting your own business. But that's kind of what I also want to leeway into here now is, so what made you want to decide to do Elite Graphics? Back in school, whenever I went to tech school for graphics, I found that I had that little niche for it and stuff. I always had the artistic ability, and this is my way of uh, you know, using my artistic ability and putting it into a business. And that you know, first year in tech, I... I did a few uh, big projects, some stuff that third-year students in there wouldn't do even. And I was like, I wanted to make a business out of this someday. And once I graduated, I saved enough money up and went from there on that. You know, kept on buying new equipment, figuring things out, and just working my way up from there and stuff. Mainly self-taught throughout the whole thing. So, you know, you live and you learn, you know, make some kind of mistakes and you live from that. Yeah. Nice. Now, from a business aspect of it, did you uh, have any business experience or did you know someone that kind of helped you along the way, kind of doing the startup per se? No, not. It was mainly just me figuring things out. And, you know, it, it was more than what I was, you know, imagining. I know business I had really, whenever I came out of high school, I knew nothing about it mainly, but I knew what I wanted to do and, you know, did some research and stuff and figured out my way through, you know, how 
to do this and that. And even today, you're still figuring out, you know, what supplies work best from what suppliers and where you want to go with things. And this past year was even a big, you know, eye opener for where I want to be with it because this industry you can do a lot of different things and it's a wide variety of areas you can go. And everybody's always asking you, know, like, what do you want to do with it and stuff? Do you want to go this way or that way? It's, well, I want, I want to do everything, you know, <laughs> why, why do one thing or the other? I just want to do everything, but figuring out a way to do that. And like I said, this past year, it, it opened a lot of things up to me as far as like being eco-friendly. And uh, I think that's the way that we want to go with things here, help out the environment as much as possible, because I found out that a lot of companies, they were dumping like dyes and stuff for garments and everything in the water and stuff. And it was impacting the environment in many bad ways. And, you know, as far as like fabrics and stuff like polyester, it's a plastic. So that's obviously not going to be the best for the environment. So kind of lean away from that kind of stuff. Find alternatives that work. It's a lot of figuring out and stuff, but hopefully get to some point where maybe we make a difference in the industry. That's what I'm kind of trying to strive for there in the ultimate goal. Hey, Zach, real quick. What business gives you inspiration? Like, what is your role model when it comes to looking at the industry? Uh, well, I know there's some other companies even in this industry that does worry about the environment and stuff. Like one example of a garment company is Bella Canvas, and that's a large blank supplier for garments and stuff. They kind of lean you into the way where it's, you know, that was the eye opening to the environment and stuff. And it's like, well, I want to do that. But there's always them little, them little missed areas where, you know, big companies like that, you know, they just, oh, we can't do that. So it's just easier just to do it, you know, this way, even if it's not environmentally safe. So I kind of want to go above and beyond that. And, uh, you know, right now we're, we're working with like screen printings and stuff. Um, a lot of the companies around here, they just use whatever, you know, whatever works. They might not even have filtration systems in their washout booths and stuff for, you know, cleanup and everything. And uh, we have a filtration system. And then the inks that we use are uh, non-thylate inks, which those don't contain the thylate. That is, it can be harmful to humans and the environment and stuff. So that's the big driver right there is uh, being environmentally safe, unlike a lot of companies in the industry are unaware of. Awesome. Yeah. Like, like you said, being eco-friendly, that's really going to make you stand out and kind of put yourself above other companies. Thanks again, Zach, for talking about that. We're going to move over to Mark real quick and uh, see what he has to say. Hey there. How goes it? Good. How are you? Blessed. Good, man. How long have you been doing uh, Tree Cup Tea? When did you start? 2017. I decided I'm just going to go ahead and try starting something and then just kind of continued since then. Good, uh, do you have any other employees or anyone that really helped you along the way or is it kind of just your business and you went along with it? Yeah, I couldn't have done it, any of it without my mom. She's helped me every step of the way. Um, at the beginning, she was doing like half the brewing, if not more, while I was at college. But now she helps a lot by doing the QuickBooks bookkeeping. So that's a huge help. Yeah, my dad has uh, his construction business, and he does QuickBooks all the time. And let me tell you, that's a difficult thing to look through. So props to her. Same question kind of for you. Uh, what was your motive to start up? Did you actually have a passion beforehand for, like, selling this stuff? Or I know you're, um, you're planting trees in Haiti, correct? Yes. Yeah, so my original passion was my grandma's organic Peruvian chai tea recipe. 
I just thought that it would be good to bottle it, distribute it. It has a very interesting taste of cinnamon cloves and anise infused with a black tea and slightly sweetened. But then, deciding I wanted to differentiate, I uh, learned about Haitian deforestation and a Pittsburgh nonprofit that helps combat that. And ever since then, that was yeah October 2017, we've planted about 20,000 trees, donating 40 cents per bottle for all those trees. That's awesome, man. Good for you. That's uh, supporting a great cause there. So hopefully uh, you guys continue doing this business. Now, has there been any goal that you guys have reached? Or, you guys, or is there a goal that you guys are trying to hit in the future? Yeah, a big thing I always said was Whole Foods by my senior year of college. And yeah, I graduated over a year ago. And in the last semester of my senior year, we got into the three local Pittsburgh Whole Foods. And we've been servicing them ever since. Oh, nice. So you guys more of a local thing? Are you guys expanding? Or what's that? Yeah, we're a local thing for now. Good. Did the idea of starting the small business happen first or the idea of that you wanted to you know sell this organic tea uh well i've always wanted to own my own business i guess whenever i had the idea to bottle my grandma's tea recipe i was pretty much off the races by that point now obviously one of the most the hardest things like i keep saying is starting up did you have any doubts at first when you were starting up something that kind of maybe threw a wrench in the road or anything yeah there's been like a lot of times, you know, I've wanted to quit. One year into my business, I had called it originally Te Amo. means I love you in Spanish. It was also a play on words with T-Love in Spanish. And that name wasn't perfect because we planted trees in Haiti. They speak French Creole over there. We're selling to Pittsburghers, which aren't the most culturally fluent. And, um, yeah, so the name kind of was confusing to people. And complexity confuses, but simplicity sells. So less than a year in, we got a cease and desist letter from this Guatemalan company called Teamo. They had the international trademark for, you know, I love you in Spanish. And I didn't know about that. So they sent me a letter saying, quit or we'll sue you. And you got the rest of the year to quit. And so, or change your name. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to quit. But then it took... Over a year after I got that notice for me to finally switch bottles completely to Tree Cup, which is like a way better brand. And I got pretty much all my branding like really, really good at that point. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate that. Unfortunately, we had to take a break for commercial. But when we come back, we'll continue our interview focusing on the hurdles these owners faced over the years. Stay tuned. Have you ever been curious about a topic we discussed on Woke Talk Podcast? Well, what are you waiting for? Contact us via our brand new website, send us an email, or reach out to us on our social media platforms. Our plan here at Woke Talk Podcast is to take one question that relates to our previous episode and create a question of the week video answering your inquiries. You'll be able to watch our question of the week episodes on all of our streaming platforms the week after our official episode release. So get involved today and send us your questions. We are looking forward to satisfying your hunger for more knowledge. So please remember, stay curious, stay informed, and most importantly, stay woke. And we are back here at Woke Talk Podcast. Heading into our second segment, David and I are going to continue our interview with Mark and Zach, focusing on the challenges they have faced thus far. 
You now have the floor, Dave. Thanks, Sam. All right, we're going to start it off here with Zach. So obviously, as everyone knows, if you haven't heard on the news, one of the biggest people impacted by um, COVID-19 has been small businesses. Many have had to basically shut down. Many have had to make adjustments, whether that be, you know, firing employees or finding new ways to make money. So I'm going to ask you this question, Zach. What are some adjustments you had to make during the COVID times? That first month there of shutdown, we couldn't really do anything until we were allowed to start making masks and stuff. And what I brought in was a dye sub machine and started producing face masks and everything and uh, kind of make it more customized for people. I kind of took a side hustle that I was doing and made it a full-time deal. And towards the end of the year, last year, I purchased a few new big pieces of equipment. It was like the first really big piece of equipment that we got. Yeah, it was kind of a risk coming into this 2021 year. It was a lot of questions and stuff coming into the year after post-COVID and all that. But it's panning out pretty good so far this year, a lot better than what I was seeing it as it was going to be. So definitely a good move, buying some new equipment and expanding my knowledge of things and uh, making more in-house production and open my eyes up to a bunch of different things like being eco-friendly and starting something where I can, you know, me controlling my own kind of clothing, you know, how it's produced, you know, what we use, being eco-friendly. That's what this the new screen printing system we got. It was an eye-opener with the types of inks they use even. So COVID, it was kind of an eye-opener in a lot of ways for especially my business and uh, even myself as like a whole. Obviously, with COVID, I'm sure there was a financial situation there. Uh, did you actually lose money? Because the masks are a great idea. You know, everyone needs masks and stuff like that. So how bad was it? How much did COVID affect you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely gave me a good amount of time to uh, sit down and think about things and where things are going to go and where I want to be in the uh, oncoming years post-COVID. It seems like you spent it wisely on your logistics what you really wanted to buy, where you wanted to put your money and where you wanted to put your focus on for your business. So you definitely spent COVID wisely. So the mask deal, I brought in material and cut all the mask hand cut. And then I actually had a uh, good family friend sew them together for me and kind of went there with that, you know, making it fully custom. We did a few school things with the mask and everything. It was a pretty popular thing. But a lot of things fell off as far as like printing shirts and stuff or printing anything. It, it was mainly masked there for a long time, even any banners because you didn't have events. And that's the big thing coming into this year. I'm getting a lot of like events that are, you know, opening back up that we didn't have last year. So it was definitely uh, hurt that way. And then even coming out of it, you know, we've had the supply shortage. I mean, everybody's been affected by that. And even us. Their first of the year, it was hard to find any inks. It was hard to find any garments. I mean, it was, you know, scratching bare minimum there for a while. And uh, that's another thing that made me want to make my own clothing, you know, the way I want to do it and try to produce it myself fully. Because one, nobody does that. And two, then I can control my colors, my stocks, you know, my operation, how I want to do things and stuff. And then it's a little more uh, self-reliant on that aspect and not relying on a supplier for things and stuff. So that's really the eye opener for uh, the supply chain of things. And then it might even be more affordable for the clientele and stuff at the end compared to all the people around the uh, competition and stuff, because that's the big thing right here. 
in this area is being very effective in your cost and your pricing on things because the competition here is, I mean, in this industry, it's crazy. And if you don't price things right, you'll vastly be knocked out of the business. Oh, you're right. And, you know, I kind of want to jump back because you were talking about the supply chain and how COVID affected because global trade was definitely, you know, impacted with COVID-19, not just because of COVID itself, but also because there was a lack in shipping containers. Shipping containers were sitting here on the U.S. shores and not moving anywhere. So there was a lot of, there was shortage everywhere else in the world that was trying to get supplies here to the United States because of our shutdowns. And that's what subsequently happened to the small businesses is because you have these contracts between really big companies and these big suppliers, and then the small businesses get the scraps, you know, they get the the leftovers. So if you're trying to get supplies, it was hellacious just trying to wiggle your way in there and, and keep yourself with the right amount of material to make a product. For sure. Yeah. And there's especially with like a lot of the uh, more popular brands of things. There's a few brands out there that still haven't even come up to the level where they were before COVID. And there's companies out there that say they're not going to be restocked until the end of this year. So it's still being affected in some ways. Like I said, I'm going to try to work in uh, the process where I don't have to worry about that anymore. It'd be really nice to knock that out and be more self-reliant. Good points there. Like, like you said, with the supply shortage, that's only going to drive prices up. So you have to kind of make decisions, business decisions, basically on what you want to sell and what material you can afford to maximize your profit. Yeah, and the, the prices did jack up for even our cost, even the overhead, overhead cost post-COVID. I mean, it's been going up in every single way. You get hit here and you get hit there, and then you gotta you have to adjust your prices based off of that because, I mean, overhead cost, it might overrun your income. So you got to price effectively to that where you're not going to drown yourself. And unfortunately, customers don't see that, so... Thanks again, though, Zach. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Next, we're going to go over to Mark. So, Mark, what would you say was the most difficult part of this startup? Hmm. Production. Supply and demand is like, first, is it the chicken or the egg that you have to do? And the answer is you got to do both at the same time. They grow together. And you kind of got to, like, predict. You know, I could produce a ton of this stuff, but then I'd have to sell it immediately because we got like an expiration date, which since it's really premium tea, it's three months. It doesn't last like two years there, like how Arizona does or something. So as soon as it's made, I got to get into the store like same week, and then it's fresh for the customer. So if I made like 10000 in a week instead of 500 which is what I'm kind of capped at right now, then I'd have to also be able to get it to that spot and you use a distributor typically in my industry and they take like 30% of what you end up making. So that's a lot. And then you got to like plan out and call and organize all the distribution route and the logistics. That's a whole nother thing. So it kind of takes a team to like work together to kind of predict, but also push out the stuff at the right time. And then also have like enough marketing pull to make sure it gets sold and then repeat, repeat, repeat. And I'm a one-man band right now, so I'm just scrappy with it, but it's actually the most efficient. You know, I could, like, do a lot more revenue if I hired a contract manufacturer, so, like, a factory to make it all, and then I hired this distributor and all that. 
so I can make a lot more revenue, but my cut would be smaller. I'd end up getting more money, but the profit margin percentage would be less. So right now, since I'm bootstrapping, I'm just trying to work myself up with like the most profit margin possible. And if that takes more time, that's actually a good thing for me. So then my marketing can grow organically. And yeah, in terms of marketing, I don't, honestly don't really do that much. I always say my only marketing budget is buying permanent stickers to give out to people. You do a lot of events. You go to a lot of places. I mean, you put the work in. You even wear a Tree Cup Tea costume to promote your stuff. So you're in the thick of it. You're doing it the hands-on way, which is really neat. And then to jump back a little bit, you're dealing with the shelf life because you're doing it the organic way. And rather than going through a big company or a big distributor that could take your recipe and kind of tweak it a little bit to make it last a little bit longer, you're doing it the more sustainable and eco-friendly way. And a lot of people, including myself, love organic tea over inorganic any day of the week. Yeah, agreed. And it's a better story. And although it might take me like 10 years to inch myself up bootstrapping it, by the time 10 years, hey, I got A, a better story, you know, a really good personal brand for myself, so to speak. I own, this is the big thing, I'll own all my equity because I'm not trying to grow, 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 huge production runs, you know, big amounts of sales and all that. And then you, you know, you got to sell part of your company or all that in the meanwhile. And I can do it how I want to do it. I mean, I'm sure all you guys have gotten this, you know, at the beginning, I love taking people's recommendations. I would do it all. Everything someone told me to do. Every sales call. Everyone that reached out to me trying to sell some product, I took it off. But now, you know, everyone's trying to impose their will and their agenda, which is good. You know, it's good to have all the information. And people will make you kind of like fear a certain way, which that's not the basket you want to put your eggs into. So I just explained my basket I want to put my eggs into, kind of inching up, bootstrapping, in the ground and all that. You know, people will tell you, you got to put money into marketing. You got to do social media. You got to do TikTok. You got to do Clubhouse. You got to get a sponsor. You got to get a spokesperson. You got to do this. You got to do that. Then you start doing all those things and you just don't have the time, at least where I'm at, to do that. Or, you know, I don't even want to do it. <laughs> so. It's kind of more sustainable for me as a kind of solopreneur to just stick to my production, sales, production, sales, production, sales, and then it all grows naturally. If you don't mind, Dave, I'd like to add a little bit just because I know we didn't get to talk about it. And this is really big. I actually had a small startup company and it was Stanford 3D Printing and Design. And the biggest thing that I found that was really like, you know, you didn't really realize that it was under the sheets whenever you're trying to get into everything. And that's maintenance, the maintenance time that you have to put in to keep your equipment going and to keep your brands and to keep your social media. It's just, it's draining. A lot of people don't understand that. I'd go to school and then in between school, I'd be looking at stuff. And then after school, I'd be at working and designing until 12, 1 a.m. and still maintaining my grades, which was, I don't know how I did it. But it's just something to be said that you have to understand that there's, there's a big maintenance factor to a lot of these companies. Yeah, time is definitely an issue. I'd like to ask you, Mark, real quick. 
how much time do you usually put in compared to, you know, the startup to where you are now? Because I know you just said you were kind of not so picky at the beginning with uh, basically your work. What was the difference between the time that you put in? Um, when I was starting, it's like I did anything I could to fill my schedule. And I was also going to college. I just graduated one year ago, and I've been doing the business for three and a half years. So two and a half years, it was like testing things out a lot of the time, a lot of outreach. I also did a lot of farmer's markets during that time, probably like over 200 over you know two and a half years. Now, it's like I got to do at least 60 hours of work. Um, that's like 20 hours of brewing, 30 hours of sales, like five hours of deliveries. I do it in my own car. And then the rest, you know, I could do some social media stuff. I could do some email newsletter. I'll do outreach whenever I need to do it and all that. So, yeah, I'm pretty packed throughout the week. I do make sure I have like a day of rest, you know. I really need it because my tiredness kind of compounds, you know. But I would fill up as much as I could do. And then in my spare time, I might do like 20 hours average a week. Some weeks it was like not much at all, though. Other weeks it was a lot more. But I had my mom producing tea with me at that time. Now it's really all me for the most part. And I'm, I'm doing it all day, every day, you know, six days a week. But I feel blessed to be able to do what I want to do. You know, it's like my office is my farmer's market booth. And I'm dressed up like a tree. And so I see miserable people, you know, that can pay for a lot of tea all day, every day. But I don't want to be miserable. Great stuff. I'm sure the viewers appreciate the insight you're giving so far. It is important to understand that owning a business isn't a walk in the park. You know, it's management, economics, marketing, public speaking, sleepless nights, and much more. But I have to say there are many benefits to having your own gig. And so our guest stars will give you their two cents on the benefits when we come back after these messages. Woke Talk Podcast is happy to announce that we launched our very own website. Our website is optimized for your convenience to navigate all of our social media and streaming platforms. It also provides important information such as upcoming episodes, mission statements, team members, casts, and much more. To view our website, go to www.woketalkpodcast.com. If you like what you hear, do us a favor at Woke Talk Podcast by giving us a follow, review, and sharing our content on social media. Woke Talk Podcast is conveniently on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and Facebook. You can stream our animated audio content through our YouTube channel, or you can listen to our episodes that will feature every other Thursday on Anchor, Spotify, Podbeam, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. If you, the listener, have any content suggestions or want to be a guest star on the show, reach out to Woke Talk Podcast via social media, our new website, or email us at woketalkpodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the last segment of Woke Talk Podcast Pro Small Business episode. One thing I have picked up on my short 23 years of existence is that people are really good at finding the negatives within a topic. With that being said, I thought it would be important to end with a positive note and talk about all the benefits that Zach and Mark have came across. So take it away, Dave. All right, so we'll start here with Zach here. So obviously, there's 
probably tons of rewards from starting your own small business. Just to name a few, you know, flexible schedule. You get to create your own goals. So basically, Zach, what, what's your favorite thing about owning your own small business? Well, there's a lot of uh, sacrifices uh, out there that you have to do, of course. Some of the benefits, of course, you know, like you said, is uh, making your own schedule. You can work around, you know, if you, if you want to go somewhere, you don't really have to ask anybody or get permission. You can just go. Um, and then uh, your hard work definitely shows. If you put a lot of hard work into something, it definitely pays out the end. You know, you're a little bit more open to life, I feel, and uh, rewarding yourself through your hard work and there's uh sacrifices you made like night nights where you don't sleep or I've, I've went three days without barely any sleep before because of getting work done and things and just you know there's a lot of sacrifices with it but it's very rewarding it can be you know being able to be flexible with your own schedule and making your own decisions and kind of controlling your own business the way you want to uh, like I was saying before, you know, my goals were to be more eco-friendly and stuff, and nobody else does that, and that's that's my decision. You know, I, I worked for other printing companies before, and you know, I, you never saw them ever worrying about anything. It was production, production. Where I'm more of like a quality and being eco-friendly and being sustainable for the years to come, because you know, they, we don't know how long we're going to be here. You know, we, so we want to we want to protect that for our future years as much as we can and uh, it's nice to be able to control that in my way as much as I can just to make the, my own decisions on things and you know not have somebody over my shoulder look looking at me and breathing down my neck making decisions myself mainly is is a nice thing as well yeah being that head man you know getting to make all them decisions is definitely rewarding for sure now I have to ask you is then uh, is there anything you would have changed with your business so far uh, there's always changes you want to do. Little loopholes right now where it's not might be the most eco-friendly, and you know those are the, of course the things I'm working on right now. Mainly, you know, there's there's new equipment that I, I need, and it would it would help me you know produce a little bit faster and uh, you know better quality and stuff for the clientele and all that. Yeah, mainly just just produce a little bit faster, get out the kinks and stuff. As you know, I'm a young company and everything. Right? I'm learning every day. You know, it, that's what I do. I learn every day and kind of go from there on things you know you do one thing and it might not work well that didn't work let's not do that again so kind of go from there and uh try to make it better next time and yeah mainly just those little kinks and stuff that you gotta straighten out and hope that everything works out at the end you made a great point that you are learning things every day not just in the the printing aspect but in the design aspect when you have to maintain something when you have to fix something, when you have to uh, troubleshoot on your computer with software or with your hardware, something fails. It's a never-ending learning opportunity, and that's what's really great about owning your own companies because you're exposed to that. Rather than if you go into a company every day and you're doing the same mundane, rut-oriented project work, you're going to put the blinders on every day when you go in. Rather than if you have your own company, it's as vast that as you can make it oh yeah for sure yeah if you work for another company you don't see those little uh things you gotta do and stuff and it's definitely more given to you whereas owning your own business you have to learn what you're doing and go about your days fixing things and working through the kinks and uh you know maintenance like you said especially with you know you have printers and stuff that go down all the time you know little little pieces can definitely uh mess up your whole production schedule for i mean it could be weeks especially right now with any any little 
any little piece that breaks, it could shut down a whole printer for a long time. Yeah, I like how you were saying your own schedule and stuff and how you basically just arrange your life around this certain job and stuff. Now, have you been able to balance your social life and this job then? Because I feel like you might be able to take a day off with this job. Whereas if you're hired by a contractor or whatever, someone else higher up, you might not be able to get them days off. So is that rewarding? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can plan around that. If I, if I have a plan, you know, go on a trip with someone or, you know, one of my, with my family or something, I'll be like, okay, I got to get this work done before I go. And I get all that work done and get caught up before I leave, of course. But it's very rewarding in that aspect where you can control your own life. And, you know, if you want to go somewhere and do something, you can go ahead and go somewhere and do something. Very good points. Very good points. All right. Thanks, Zach. Without further ado, I'll, I'll move over to you, Mark, uh, with Tree Cup Tea. So what, what do you believe is the best part about owning your own business? It's like once you really get it going and you get your systems in place and you kind of get a demand rolling, the demand life only kind of increases. It depends. Every industry is different. Okay. Every industry is like its own thing. But once you get it rolling, <laughs> you're like a unstoppable. It's like a snowball effect. But the tough part is the first couple of years, and it will remain tough because the bigger you get, you know, you got to adapt to that. And I've never really had any employees uh, long term, so I don't really know. <laughs> that's a totally unknown part for me in the business world. And I know that's like the most important part. So I guess I'm still a novice. But when you have a business, you're the world expert on your business. Okay. Anytime someone gives you advice, you're going to have to explain to them like a million things beforehand because no one really gets, can relate with you, can be in your shoes unless they've known what you've been through since like the inception. So that's good. And when you own something and as long as you don't sell it, the value is going to keep rising, keep rising, keep rising. So being an owner of something is way more valuable. So although right now I'm kind of like really low on funds because I, I reinvest everything. I mean, if, if I didn't reinvest everything, then I would be a bit better with that. But although right now I'm low on all that stuff, it just means that I can grow at a quicker rate and it's like kind of builds character. It's kind of, it's an adventure. It's a never ending adventure uh, with a business. So I, I wouldn't change it really. Although you might fail at a business, you know, you can start another one. I once this mentor, really wise mentor of mine he's like i'm never working for anyone decided that when he was 18 started a business failed started a business failed started a business started going well failed started a business you know got sued you know all this legal stuff failed then started a business finally another one in his 30s and you know although all his buddies were making 100k a year and being all comfortable and all that he was struggling 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 but now he's making millions a year because he just stuck with it so I feel like he gave me two really good pieces of advice. First, a business is always going to cost twice as much and take twice as much time as you expect it. And that's a good rule of thumb. Actually, that might be like an understatement. And then the other thing he told me is like, your third business, that's always the trick. The third business always works. You know, the first two is just learning. So, you know, if anyone wants to start a business or they're deciding to go to college, you know, to, but if they know they don't, they want to start a business. If you just use your college funds on starting a business, you'll learn a lot more. I mean, it's the truth. 
being in the real world is always going to be more experience is way better than education any day, you know? So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Good man. Yeah, I, I like your points of just, you know, not giving up, just keep trying. That's the best thing about the business. You said, even if it doesn't work out, start a new one or just matter of fact, you know, with your own company, you know, you got to keep pushing. You're going to have down years like my dad and his construction business. Money's not guaranteed. You don't know an exact number of how many customers you're going to get in a year. So you just got to keep your head high and just work harder the next year to make your make your profits back. Early. Another thing I'm going to ask is you kept referencing kind of the money and the demand coming in. I'm sure that's an amazing thing about it, too. But I feel like passion, you know, just being able to look at your business and say, hey, I did this. Do you ever get like a sense of reward from looking at your business and saying, wow, I did this, you know, I'm planting all these trees. It's like, do you ever get that sense of happiness from it? What happened to me is a while ago, I had a complete perspective change on everything. I decided everything earthly is like vanity. And now I'm after heavenly riches, literally. So now people will give me all this praise and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, <laughs> and honestly, I see passing. I used to like puff myself up. I used to like give the, you know, really pitch myself well and all that. Now I don't even care, man. And what's crazy is that attracts actually a lot more. But anyway, and then also, since I'm a Christian, you know, a real one, Holy Spirit filled Christian, like 100 percent all or nothing type of guy for sure. Anytime there's someone that needs to hear something that's deeper, I can tell them. Meanwhile, if you say anything about Jesus in the workplace, you might get reported, <laughs> you know. But me, I'll just like have my time selling at farmer's market is like street evangelizing. Um, and but that, that's how I'm like nowadays. And like I can just be totally unapologetic about it. And that is like the best part these days for me. So you're saying more of an opportunity to have freedom of speech without judgment. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm getting from it. Well, that's good. And, you know, you can use that in many ways, not even just religiously. You know, if you want to advocate uh, in different ways, just like you're doing through your business with, uh, you know, partnering with your nonprofit organization, Haiti Friends. You know, you can, you can talk about the, you know, climate change or, you know, education system or, you know, different social impacts that we have uh, here. You know, the cool thing is that the opportunities of free speech is kind of without judgment and endless with owning your own business. It's kind of nice. Yep. Yeah. But I, I think it is important to remember that there are a lot of ups and downs, as we just talked about in the last two segments. And ultimately, if you have passion for what you want uh, to, to quote unquote, sell to society, then go for it. You know, to round out the episode, I, I would like to call upon Zach and Mark to give some lasting advice for everyone out there listening, because I'm sure some of you are thinking about your next idea, side hustle, or startup. So, Dave, if you don't mind. Yeah, so um, like you just said, so Zach, what's your little piece of advice for the audience here? A piece of advice, just keep moving forward. Just keep climbing that mountain. You know, if you see something in front of you you don't think you can do, just keep moving. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Don't ever give up. Don't ever break down. You know, if there's that giant mountain in front of you, don't give up. I take it every single day. I, I learn something new. I go out and I make sure I learn something. I'm always exploring. I'm always getting out there. You know, get an extra time, go out there, see something new, learn something new, go out there and do something you've never done. Just keep moving. 
it's the best thing for you. Keep moving. Don't be average and refuse to be average. You know, that's my that's my slogan. Refuse to be average. That keeps me going every day. Exactly. If you have your eyes on something, you have a dream, you have a goal, you can get to it. You just got to put your mind to it, and it will happen. So, thanks, Zach. All right, over to you, Mark. Uh, what type of advice would you like to give everyone? Yeah, two things. Uh, the greatest founder of all time is Jesus, and he says the Seek first the kingdom of God, and all will be added unto you. And in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born of the water and the spirit. So there's are some kind of some cryptic things for you to figure out yourself. And then the second thing is, build it and they shall come. I meet all these people and they're like, I'm in the process of making. I've been doing this for years. I'm writing this book. You know, I'm doing this song and all this. Right. But they never finish. First, you got to finish and then you, you know, begin selling it or marketing it or, you know, pitching it to all these different companies or whatever. So build it and they will come. Don't even don't even talk about your future plans until you finish it. So that's my biggest thing. Thanks, Mark. I, I totally agree, man. You know, people are always so about anything that comes out of their mouth. They're like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But if you don't actually take that first step and do what you're going to say you're going to do, it's never going to happen. Like, look at people going to the gym. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do that. No. Until you actually go there, until you actually try to start up this business, it's not happening until you make that first step. So thank you for that, Mark. Right. And to finish out, I have a little piece of advice, and it's something that keeps me going. It's an amazing statement by a famous philosopher, Archimedes. And he stated, give me... A, a lever, a fulcrum, and a place to stand, and I will move the earth. Now, take that as you may, but what I, what I hear there is there are tools out there that you can utilize to do absolutely anything that you put your mind to. That is all for this episode of Woke Talk Podcast. I'd like to give a big shout out to my wonderful co-host, Dave Beam, along with my guest stars, Zach Edwards, the owner of Elite Graphics. Check out his business at www.elitegraphics.org. And Mark Sotomayor, owner of Tree Cup Tea. Go support his beautiful cause at www.treecuptea.com. We hope that this show gave you some insight on what it is like to own a small business and inspired you to support your local providers or start your own gig. Thank you all for listening to Woke Talk Podcast. I am your host, Sam Stanford. And as always, stay woke. Woke Talk Podcast would like to give a shout out to Anchor by Spotify for sponsoring our podcast along with Ben Sound Music for providing our show with intro, outro, and advertisement background rhythm.